admire your courage, Miss... Uh... Trench. Sylvia Trench. I admire your luck, Mr... Bond. James Bond. Bonjour, Monsieur Bond. Where's 007? I think he's attempting re-entry, sir. My God, what's Bond doing? Keeping the British hand up, sir. Well, tell him to pull out. Immediately. Can I do something for you, Mr. Bond? A martini, shaken, not stirred. Hang on, James. The thought had occurred to me. Looking for shells? No, I'm just looking. You have a nasty habit of surviving. What they say about the fittest. Do you lose as gracefully as you win? I wouldn't know. I've never lost. No more foreplay. Welcome to a new episode of Bond Backwards, which we started earlier. Early, uh, we started earlier this year as a way of, uh, you know, going through all the Bond movies and uh, reviewing them and watching them in anticipation of the release of No Time to Die, which was supposed to come out in April 2020, but then got pushed to November because of COVID, and now it's going to come out in April 2021. So yeah, a lot of yeah. So cinemas are in very, yeah, dire need at this point in this year. But anyway, we're still going to carry on with these episodes. And uh, we are now on to the sort of part two of the Sean Connery Bond era. And that is Diamonds Are Forever. Look what the cat dragged in. Um, yeah, yeah, Diamonds Are Forever. And um, But yeah, it's a, it's a shame um, the No Time to Die has been delayed again. Um, it's a shame what's happening to the cinema industries, particularly in the UK, where uh, enormous cinema chains have had to shut down. I think the, uh, the lack of um, support for these institutions is really problematic. I also want to say that the support given to secret cinema, um, the, who got a huge uh, bailout, um, is ridiculous uh, because that's like a novelty, you know, silly night out kind of thing. But the sort of yeah. meat and potatoes, regular movie houses, uh, cinemas are not getting the same support. And so um, I think that is pretty shit, to be honest. Um, yeah, I think and, it's, um, it's been, I think, I mean, I, I've only been to the, I mean, last time I went to the cinema before everything got locked down, that was in March. And then I went recently in September as well. And now I feel like I should, I mean, I haven't read any re any reports of COVID cases coming from cinemas. So, yeah, I mean... I mean, there's got to be a way to, you know, if if these businesses are on the verge of, you know, shutting down permanently, then, you know, it's not a, it's not a, on the punters to go and expose themselves. I, it, it, that sounded wrong. Uh, it, to go to the cinema and, um, <clears throat> you know, take the, the risks associated with that. It should be on the governments to um, provide the funds to keep these businesses solvent. Anyway, um, that's yeah. my position on it. Um, yeah. But yeah, let's talk about Diamonds Are Forever. Um, yeah, Diamonds Are Forever <laughs> is a strange film. Yeah, it's... Uh, oh, it, excuse me. <laughs> um, it... Um, 
Does the film <clears> give you that such gives you such a <clears throat> negative reaction? Yeah, it must be allergic. Um, uh, I don't know. Um, there are things about this film I like. You know, there, there are definitely things about this film I like. Yeah. Um, the um, the thing is that it's this is this is a very messy corner of the Bond franchise because you've just had Lazenby. And then you, you know, they, they decide to, Lazenby is not coming back or, you know, wherever, however that decision gets taken. And then they decide in their dithering to offer the role once again to Connery, who had already gotten fed up playing the part with You Only Live Twice. So Connery comes back, he does one more film, mm -hmm. and then you get... Well, two more films more. if you count Never Say Never Again. Which we don't. Um, so, um, so he does. He does this film, and 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 um, and then he fucks off again. The issue with it is that this is supposed to be a direct sequel to On Her Majesty's Secret Service, except that the two main characters are played by different fucking people. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to talk about in regards to Lazenby, which I guess we'll get onto when we talk about On Her Majesty's Secret Service, because there is a lot to talk about with that film, and particularly with George Lazenby and his relationship with the character and the movie, and yeah. There's a lot there. But I think with this one, it's a very strange film and it doesn't really feel like a, a continuation from what happened at the end of On Her Majesty's Secret Service. And it just, it, it's almost like they just wiped the slate clean. And Except they don't quite, because at the beginning of this film, he's like on this crazed revenge mission to find Blofeld and kill yeah. him. And, and, and they don't make any reference to the fact that he had his wife killed in the in the last one. And there's no reference to the fact that Blofeld has hair in this film and he's played by Charles. Right, or he doesn't have a neck brace or he doesn't, you know, like it It does feel a little bit and it, it's funny because I think they know that this is a problem and so they basically make as you say, they don't really make a reference to it for the rest of the film. I think really it's only in the beginning that you get any kind of sense that Bond is on a, Bond? Bond, Bond. is on a revenge <laughs> Bond is on a revenge mission Bond uh, is on a revenge mission Spectre Junior um <laughs> It's so, um, you, Junior. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Um, Can't help it. The, uh, <laughs> uh, you know what you say about Sean Connery's hair in this film? It's fake. <laughs> yeah, well, he, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a toupee. <laughs> yeah, it's quite an obvious one as well. Um, yeah. I, uh, Spectra. Um, I do think that they basically say, okay, we've got a huge Lazenby and Telly Savalas shaped problem here, so we're just going to edge away from it and we're going to create this um, new Camp Blofeld for the 70s. Um, sort of the but, precursor uh, to the Roger Moore films. It, it Yeah, yeah, slightly. It's it's very much its own... It's It feels very much its own kind of creature, this film. There's a lot of interesting stuff in it. Uh, definitely some some pre-Roger Moore, like, um, signals being sent here. I do... I think the, the, um, the fact that this is a very America-heavy film Mm -hmm. um, in terms of its casting, but also in terms of its location is interesting in that Live and Let Die also decides to film largely in the States. Um, uh, but the, um, there is, it's, it's strange that the Connery films were pretty much tonally exactly the same mm -hmm. until this point. And yeah. this, it, it, this feels like this sort of springs from the ground. I also think On Her Majesty's Secret Service is more similar to the Connery films than it is to this film. Yeah, it's definitely, it feels tonally the same as the, the films that came before it. And I think the tone in this film is one that's very strange and one 
where the comedy doesn't really work. And I think you could really... Well, it doesn't. I, I, think, I think there are bits that are yeah, funny. Yeah, there are like, bits I, that I, work. I, I think, you know, some things, some things work and some things don't. And I think one of the things that doesn't really work is that you could really tell, even though Connery is back in the role and he was paid like a million dollars to come back, he does look like he doesn't really want to be there and he would be rather out in Las Vegas gambling until he needed to be on set, which is what he did. You know, he was like... I filmed, you know, Diamonds Are Forever during the evening, and then I, you know, I went out and golfed and gambled during the day. I never slept. It was amazing. And it's not a very good impression, but no, yeah, it wasn't a very um, good impression. I lost it halfway through, but you get what I you did. You, yeah, you, said, you, went, you went a little bit. I think um, I don't know what happened there, but yeah, um, but yeah, but you well, get what I mean. It just it just feels like they're just it's a hole in one much money, but <laughs> um, the, yeah, no, I I I think that the um. The Connery performance in this is just like pretty blank. Uh, he also, um, you know, he he just doesn't. It, it's it's in the beginning they they try and make this big like oh look who's back it's Connery you know yeah. and and he just his face is just like oh, yeah uh, here I am. It just doesn't have and, the, um, the enthusiasm for the role is there, especially when he says my name's Bond, James Bond. It's like my name's Bond, James Bond. Where's Blofeld? Yeah, Ooh. come on, let's get this over with. Yeah, um, it's um, yeah, and I think it's like okay, fuck, we've we've fucked up. We should have cast. I mean, Roger Moore would have been great for this real for this film. He would. He would have been pretty good in this film. Would have been. This would have been a perfect first movie for Roger Moore if they could have got him. Definitely. And um, and I think he would have fit into this the the universe of Diamonds Are Forever perfectly. Um, it would have been amazing to see him and Charles Gray uh, facing off. Um, Charles Gray as Blofeld. I mean, we love Charles Gray. Yeah. Uh, he, he's such a delightful uh, actor to watch uh, in everything. Um, he d- Blofeld isn't exactly menacing, though, when played by Charles Gray. No, let's I be think, honest. you know, I think he was menacing as Donald Pleasance in You Only Live Twice, and he was menacing as hell as Telly Savalas in On Her Majesty's Secret Service. And this one, not so much. <laughs> And also remember that we've been going right back to 1963 with from Russia with Love with Blofeld as a character. Like talk about menace. Like we didn't yeah. even see his face the first, you know, the first two, two times he appeared in yeah. um, in From Russia with Love and in Thunderball. You know, and the cat and everything else. And then by the time this film comes along, you've got a Blofeld who's so defanged and so unscary that he at one point dresses as a woman <laughs> and um and has that amazing line where he goes look what the cat dragged in and um that's a good impression. and it is uh, what i said that's a good impression of him oh well um the, it, it is so funny because it's 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 the charles gray that we will see in rocky horror picture show really that's playing blofeld in the song and there's nothing wrong with that but it is an interesting choice um but he was and very. Is, he, was think, very he was very good as uh, Henderson in You Only Live Twice. Yeah, well, that was one of the great like little Bond cameos. Uh, he's also great in a film called Night of the Generals, which I can hardly recommend. Oh, the Peter um, O'Toole movie. I haven't seen that. Yeah. I really want to. Oh, it's really interesting. Um, it's uh, very entertaining and a little bit mad. The way you described it once, it's uh, it's it's really good. I, it sounds really interesting. Yeah, it's it's quite it's quite unusual. Um, but it is good anyway. So, um, check it out if you want. But um. But the um the yeah the the sort of the lack of menace of any kind the lack of danger of any kind the most dangerous characters in this film are Mr. Wind and Mr. Kid yeah, played, played by uh, Bruce Glover uh, and, and Potter Smith, Smith who I because you know it, it's it's sort of hinted at that these two characters are lovers and apparently during the making it's like 
<laughs> they whack you over the head with it again and again. Yeah, and I think it was. It's funny because like Bruce Glover, they 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 gave the impression that they to Sean Connery that they both were actually lovers while they were making the movie, and they were able to convince Sean Connery of that. And it wasn't until a few de- few years later when Bruce Glover was on a plane and he was flirting with a flight attendant, and then behind him he just heard "you son of a bitch" this Scottish accent voice, and then it turned out to be Sean Connery. <laughs> I, I mean, I no one really comes out well from that story. I think like <laughs> Sean Connery's sort of homophobia, and then the um, the fact that Bruce Bummer was flirting with a flight attendant. I think everyone kind of needs to, um, you know, look at themselves um, in that te- uh, you know situation. But the um, and also like, what's to stop a gay man flirting with a flight attendant? Um, so the but they're 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 wonderful. Um, it's a fun idea to have these two meek looking male, white male assassins, especially in a franchise that so far has done already quite a lot of like, um, has used quite a lot of like racist tropes with the uh, henchmen. Yeah. Um, and it's good that they're not like some tall German blonde guy. It's like, they're, they're a completely new thing. And I really like that. And they kill people in ways that are incredibly enjoyable. Uh, the scorpion, the, the exploding helicopter. Um, the cake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the cake. I mean, that's the, the bomber. So <laughs> that sequence is so stupid. And he like straps the bomb on him, and he goes, and all, oh no, that bit where he like pulls his arms through his legs, and he goes like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> it's that bit is so fucking silly. Um, yeah. So, but but they are fun. I um I think there's also the one of the great last kind of Connery being really like. Bond like is the fight with um, uh, Franks uh, in the um, in the lift in Amsterdam. Yeah, it had a bit of a Hitchcock edge to it in some ways for some reason. Um, maybe. A um, I I don't know. What do you mean? No, I just it just it had that kind of feeling that from from Russia with Love. It had that same feeling of the fight in the train in the train with grant yeah, yeah. With grant. it had that, I, I don't it, it know had, that like, was Hitchcock's... the intent the intense the sorry the intensity was there yeah i'm not sure that like i would say necessarily it's a sort of hitchcock thing i think it's but it is very like bondy to have a fight in an enclosed space that's quite like brutal um yeah. you know it's sort of it's something that's been carried right through to the craig years um mm. but like um but it, but you know, it just there are these moments in this film, but it it doesn't really hang together ultimately, and it's because I think so often they just go far too far in the camp direction. Um, there's one of the great uh, in the Amsterdam sequence as well, one of the great lines of the Bond franchise, which uh, is a uh, that's a wonderful little nothing that you're almost wearing um, <laughs> to Jill St John. What do you yeah. think about Jill St John? I think um, a little bit too much. Mixed. She feels like think, she's in the I wrong. Think... I think she starts off as like quite an interesting character, but then all the sort of personality of her that she has in the beginning scene is taken away when she's on the oil rig and she fires a machine gun and then fire and then falls off. It's a bit like it's quite close to Brick Eklund's Good Night a little bit. Yeah, and, it's in the um, sort of silly, silly any kind of yeah, exactly any agency, any kind of. Um, sophistication or motive that she might have at the beginning by the end it's just she's just a complete foil and they're hiding the secret tape in her bikini bottom and she's yeah as you say what like nice falling cheeks. off the, the oil rig <laughs> yeah i mean it's just um, yeah but uh, a bit but, about jill st john because i i didn't really know about this but apparently she 
had relationships with a lot of people, one of which oh. was Sean Connery. Uh, oh. Some some of them were uh, Michael Caine, Sean Connery, Robert Evans, Glenn Ford, David Frost, Henry Kissinger, oh. Sandy Hello. Koufax, George Lazenby, Trini Lopez, Tom Mankiewicz, George Montgomery, Jack Nicholson, Roman Polanski, what? Alejandro Ray, Tom Selleck, Frank Sinatra, Robert Vaughn, and Adam West. <laughs> Wow. And <laughs> that is quite a collection. And during the making of this film, she quarreled a lot with Lana Wood, mainly because both of them were trying to. Well, he was. Well, I think Sean Connery didn't help because he was involved with both of them, but mainly. Oh my God, what a mess. Yeah, but also the fact that, um, well, Lana Wood is the sister of Natalie Wood, and Jill St. John married Robert Wagner, and she still is married to him. And. If oh most, my God. And if some people are, you know, familiar with the Natalie Wood story, there are a lot of sort of conspiracy theories that maybe Robert Wagner had something to do with that. And Lana Wood is one of those people who actually feels that he he did something. And there was a then during there was like a something to do with with Natalie Wood's death. Yeah, with Natalie Wood's death. And there was actually, um, you know, there was a couple occasions where they've 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 been feuding for a, for a half a century now. And that one of one of them. <laughs> One of them was in September 1999 when Jill St. John refused to be photographed with, with uh, Lana Wood at a Bond Girl reunion for Vanity Fair. And then another one was when uh, Wood crashed an event honoring Jill St. John in Palm Springs and confronted R- Rag- uh, Wagner over the reopened death case of her sister. And apparently Lana Wood said that a woman voice, a woman called to her and she, it, she didn't say who it was, but she could tell it. she felt like it was Jill St. John being like, back away from Robert Wagner or you'll be sorry kind of thing. Oh, I didn't I did not know that that was that much involved in the in the, in in that particular um story um but that's uh, you know that's Hollywood for you. Um yep, sure. But is. Uh, yeah, Lana Wood is you know, she doesn't she doesn't get the best uh her part I guess is well, fair I mean, to she, say. she she got quite a lot of I mean, she had to wear like something that was very quite revealing. And then during the, th- you know, when she's thrown into a pool, a lot of, she was like, everybody was just like, oh, oh like that. Like everyone was just ogling oh my God. and oh stuff my like that. And, you know, there were, you know, I think it was, I think they had to sort of cut around like the dress that she was wearing when she gets pulled out because a lot of it was quite revealing and stuff. There's a lot of accidental nudity in this movie, if you pay attention. Oh well, I'm sure there are a lot of people um, do. <laughs> I'm yeah. sure there's a and lot also, of. Also, I think uh, I mean just spoiler alert a little bit because Lana Woods, Tiffany O'Toole is killed. Plenty O'Toole. Plenty O'Toole. Sorry, Plenty O'Toole. Is, That's the whole point of the, the name. <laughs> Plenty O'Toole is is killed and she's found drowned in a pool. And there's actually a scene where she goes back up to the hotel room where uh, Jill St. John's character is with Sean Connery. And she she comes back to pick up her things and she sees that they're having sex or whatever. And then she gets like the address for where Jill St. John lives in Las Vegas. So it's it's she was killed because of mistaken identity. I don't know why they never cut that scene out because it explains why Lana Woods. They didn't. They did cut it out. They did cut it out of the film. I don't know why they didn't keep it in because it would have explained why she was at the place in the pool and stuff. I don't know. Oh, I see. Okay, yeah. Um, maybe because there was more accidental nudity that they had to uh, probably yeah. get rid of. Um, you could see my anus. Um, I, I don't. Um, yeah, I, th- th- there is is probably like a whole. This film feels very horny. Um, there's a lot of um, material for um, 
you know professional wankers to uh to, to watch for in this i mean if you're if you know there's there's it does feel like there's a lot of like almost sort of carry on levels of like kind of around <laughs> oh, uh, cleavage and bottoms and whatever else yeah. um it, it just yeah it, i'm it's amazing that like the grossness of the the culture on so i didn't really know that that level of like discomfort had been felt by lana wood but i'm not surprised um and it is you know it's pretty dismaying that like even you know that that while making a film that's this sort of you know inherently misogynist as the bond franchise that there isn't some kind of like concession to the actress's offset being like well you know we're just making a movie but we're not actually like this kind of thing and mm-hmm. just like oh, doubling down on it um so whatever um uh yeah so um the the vegas vegas and bond does not feel like a match made in heaven although you do get a pretty fun car chase although it's way more in the right roger moore kind of car chase era yeah, than it in does the... i mean for some it, i don't know why but it feels a bit like out of blues brothers or something i don't know why well like a rat pack film you know yeah, it, it, it has that yeah that has, and i think yeah the, the bit where it goes sideways is 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 a little bit similar to the corkscrew uh river jump in um man with the golden gun um yeah it's nice to see Bruce Cabot in this film, one yeah. of his last. Yeah, it was his final film as uh, Burt oh, really? Saxby. Yeah, yeah, it was his, uh, as Burt Saxby. And, Burt Saxby. Uh, and uh, I do like, what's his name, who plays... Um... Jimmy Dean? Yeah, no, not... Yeah, it's Jimmy Dean. Yeah, yeah, who plays Willard White, who is loose. I cannot see... If you someone shows me a map which has Baja California on it, I cannot see that without going Baja. Yeah, I know. It's just, it's like Every I, time I see that, I just go Baja. It's just the way he says. I don't have anything in Baja. It's like it just sounds so made up the way he says it. But then when I saw <laughs> when someone like yeah, I've never I've never really dwelled before watching this. I never dwelled on Baja California as like a funny word, but I cannot think of it. Or look at it, or uh, if I ever visit Baja, I'll be saying it every fucking day. It was like, every time well, I see a sign, it's like where, where, and uh, where are you flying to? Baja. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Welcome aboard this uh, United Airlines flight to Baja. Baja. <laughs> I didn't know I was flying to Baja. Baja. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, apparently he had. <laughs> You're in a field full of sheep, and one of them goes Baja. Baja. <laughs> I didn't know sheep said Baja. <laughs> I didn't know they said that. Um, we could probably do hundreds of these, but anyway. Um, let's not. Let's not. No, but so um, yeah, Willard White. Willard White is a bit. Based, tell him he's fired. Yeah, he's a bit based on Howard Hughes, and I don't think Jimmy Dean was very comfortable playing the character because he was worried that you know Howard Hughes would be up in his like little house in like above his like penthouse, like peering down with his binoculars on him or something. Well, I mean, it's, it, it, I, I don't know how, I mean, basically he's a recluse who lives in a hotel, but in terms of behavior, he's, yeah. I guess he could be like a young Howard Hughes. Um, you get a pretty boring Felix Leiter in this film. Yeah, uh, Norman he's very Burton. boring. I don't know who's the actor. He's uh, the Norman act- Burton. Norman Burton. He is a bit, a bit Jason Alexander-esque in some ways. Um, I do like the fact uh, Mark Lawrence, not that one, um, but the the guy, uh, one of the henchmen with that sort of really striking face, who's in a lot of. Um, yeah, he's the guy. He's the motel guy in From Dust Till Dawn, and he was also in The Man with the Golden Gun. He's the guy, the assassin at the beginning of the movie. 
Right, right. He's in. Yeah, we talked about him. He's um, he's also one of the henchmen in uh, Marathon Man, um, which is great. Um, he was in a lot. Yeah, like, he was in a lot of movies. He was in. He was in tons of films. Oh yeah, just one of those like jobbing actors. Yeah. I mean, and, and also, it, it's good. Good to see him. One of the other actors who um, who I'm who I'm a fan of was who's also one of the sort of cronies of the Slumber Inc. attendance is uh, Sid Haig. Like a a a a, a beard a, a Sid Haig without a, his trademark beard. Hmm. Um. There's a moon buggy chase. That's pretty stupid. A little bit, yeah. Um. Does this film imply that the moon landing was faked? I guess it's trying to point that out. Yeah, they would have. I I think they would have. I I think if it, they could have made it. They probably would have made it more obvious if they had someone come out looking like Stanley Kubrick or something like that. I don't know. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you believe in um, conspiracy theories, it's uh, there's a whole film about um, The Shining as Kubrick's attempt to reveal that the moon landing was faked, isn't there? Yeah, that's it's part of it's discussed in the uh, Room Two Thirty Seven documentary, and I think oh, so might, it's part of a wider documentary. Yeah, okay, okay. or I think they actually, I mean, they might have done a documentary about it. I don't know, but they do discuss it in that documentary. But they discuss a lot of theories and stuff, which some of it makes sense, and some of it's just like really. But yeah, interesting film. But um, yeah. Anyway, um, so I mean, Diamonds Are Forever is is it, it is pretty pants ultimately. Yeah, um, and also the whole like uh, laser in space with diamonds. I don't. It doesn't oh, make sense. There is a great bit though where Blofeld talks about we could blow up Kansas and no one would find out about it for years, uh, which is pretty funny. <laughs> um, and um, I mean, the diamonds space laser. We haven't. We this is the first space laser, but there are going to be many, many more. Yeah, including I bring you Icarus from Die Another Day, right? Um, which is literally the same thing. Like it's and it's crazy that they of all the as we said before of all the Bond films to recycle. Why do diamonds are forever? Speaking of which, this along with Moonraker and um, Octopussy are seem to be the Bond films that are always on TV. Yeah, they always seem to be rerun. It's crazy. Yeah, it's, I think they always there's these certain Bond films which are always on television, and um, I have no idea why. They're also they always always seem to be available for free on Amazon Prime. They always seem, maybe it's just because they're shit and no one cares about. <laughs> no one wants to like, buy them, <laughs> right? I don't know, but um, like Diamonds Are Forever. Anytime you're sitting in in front of a TV set, just scroll through the channels and you'll find Diamonds Are Forever. Yeah. Um, Anyway, I, I guess we've, we've, we've said what we need to say about the film. Um, I will say this. It did give one of the great things that spoofed in Austin Powers, and that's the 10 minutes and counting guy who just... Oh, yeah, that guy, that guy. Yeah, they, um, they, they did... Um, uh, what the, they, um, they brought back the same actor, didn't they? For the Austin Powers movie. Yeah, I think they or did. They just, or they, the or they just did the same voice. But I think it's just That's, like yeah. the whole building is like, the whole oil rig is like falling apart and then he's just like five minutes. He's still saying that. Yeah. Also, I think Blofeld's death in inverted commas is very poor. I think it's very... Im well, it's very impersonal. Even if it... it even yeah, if it is I mean, like, well, even if it's a sequel from like on Her Majesty's Secret Service, like have that like pay off, have that like have it a bit more. Yeah, you know, it's so unsatisfying. And yeah. then because it's not really clear if he dies or not, although it's like, how, how is he going to survive that? I don't know. Um, so um, yeah, that feels that feels um, 
um, that feels very unsatisfying, as you say, uh, I think. And then, of course, we've talked about For Your Eyes Only and the attempt to finally kill Blofeld off. And we've talked about Spectre and, uh, you know, um, it does, it does, it really feels like this film, you could quite happily take it out of the franchise and just go straight from On Her Majesty's Secret Service to Live and Let Die and no one would, it wouldn't matter. Um, yeah. You know, that sounds harsh, but that's just the way it is. Do you want to do our little fun features? Yeah. Uh, what's your favorite location? Where would you want to go? Amsterdam. Yeah, I was going to say that as well. Or Las Vegas, just to see what it's like. Well, you like. have to pick a different one. Um, You're not going to pick Baja. <laughs> uh, yeah, ba- Baja. I want to go to Baja. Baja. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've never been to Baja. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, who would you replace? With someone else. Ah. <laughs> Replace Bah. Um, I need to calm down. Um, who would I replace? Bond. I would replace him with Frank Sinatra because you may as well, if you're making a Rat Pack movie, you may as well just have James Bond played by Frank Sinatra and have Blofeld played by Dean Martin and have um, uh, Jill St. John be like... Um, Angie Dickinson. Oh, what's her name? And Margaret, and uh, and then have like Sammy Davis Jr. as Willard White. Yeah, the joke is he's not actually white. Ha <laughs> ha. Um, oh Jesus! So... <laughs> that's what they would have. That's the joke they would have made. I'm... Yeah, I watched the I watched the original Ocean's Eleven, and there is a a lot of just racism just casually thrown around. Like, that was the whole punchline. Every time they did a Rat Pack thing, the whole joke is like, they're just horrible to Sammy Davis. Like, I don't understand how he put up with it. Yeah, it's like there's a scene where they're putting f- stuff on their face and they say like, Sammy Davis, do you want some? And it's like, oh my God. <laughs> it's like Jesus Christ. racism. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think... I, I mean, I would probably re- replace Jill St. John and I probably would have hired a different screenwriter to maybe make that character a little bit more interesting and give her a little bit more personality. I would probably replace it with someone like Angie Dickinson, who was pretty popular at the time. I think, and I like her. Oh, Angie Dickinson would have done great with uh, with that character. Yeah, that's a good shout. Hmm. Um, what is... Um, stupidest bit. What, stupidest bit. Okay, well, do you want to go first? Uh, stupidest bit for me, I think, is the moon buggy chase. I would, I'm tempted to say um, Blofeld and Drag. Uh, there is so many stupid bits in this film. But I'm just going to go with one that happens quite early in the film because it sets the tone for everything that comes afterwards. And it's the guy in the fez at the table who says, hit me, and then someone hits him. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's one of the... You see it coming a mile <laughs> off. And it is the stupidest joke. And um, yeah, so, I mean, you could take your pick of it. There's also the bit where he kills, quote unquote, Blofeld um, by putting him in the gunge. But also the whole idea of there being all these Blofeld clones, we haven't even talked about how stupid that is. That was also um, a stupid plot point. And also the whole bit was like, right idea. They, have, they all have the same personality. And it's like, how many? <laughs> right idea, Mr. Bond, but wrong pussy. Oh, Oh, that wrong pussy. Oh, Jesus, yes. There's, there actually, you know what? This film, oh, it's bad, isn't it? Yeah. I tried to be positive about it at the start of this podcast, but no, it's just, it's just a bad movie. <laughs> it's also just, it's also just not really fun. That's the thing. I mean, just even, I mean, 
take... There's something sad about it. It's like, it's like Vegas. I imagine, well, I've not been to Vegas, but I imagine Vegas is like this. You get there and you're like, oh, this is so cool. Lights and prostitutes and gambling. And then the next day you're just like, I want to go home. Yeah, I know, exactly. <laughs> like, I want to go back to Baja. <laughs> <laughs> or North Dakota. <laughs> What's that? It's like, when, he's like, when he says, like, a place just uh, just acts up, just blew up in North Dakota when he's talking about one of his businesses that blew up or something. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. I can't remember the line exactly, That's... so I fumbled it a little bit, but it's just the way he says North Dakota. <laughs> North Dakota. What's the best bit of this film? Uh, best bit of this film? Um... For me, it's the elevator fight. Yeah, I was going to say the elevator fight as well. And I also think the, I don't know, the scene where he's almost burnt alive in the coffin, I think is quite a good sequence. Oh, yeah. How does he get out of that again? Oh, he gets dragged out by Shady Tree. Oh. Who's played, oh, right. who's, so he who's, doesn't actually save himself. Yeah, that is pretty scary and claustrophobic. Yeah, yeah he was mm -hmm. played, uh, yeah, Shady Tree was played by Leonard Barr, who was a comedian. He was the uncle of Dean Martin. This film is just covered in like rat packery. Um, okay, well, so give it a rating. Uh, I'm going to give it uh, two stars or two and a half stars? if I was being very generous. I just think there's a lot of things about this stars? film. Stars? What? Stars? Oh, st oh, martinis, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Two and a half martinis. I'm, I'm, giving, it, I'm giving it one and a half martinis. I know, think... just under two. The second martinis had to, someone's taken a sip of it. Yeah, I and think. And the olive is is rotten i think there's a lot of things about this film that just didn't really it wasn't a great return for bond and i don't really like the show connery you mean yeah for connery yeah sorry um and also i don't really think it was it doesn't have a great song the, the shirley bassey song i don't think is that good it, out of oh the, i disagree i think the song is good um it's a bit too I, I think the song is one of the better things about the film just has too many innuendos. I don't know. It's just a little. Oh come on! It's a Bond song. I, it's Shirley Bassey. It's uh, it's fun. Yeah. Did you ever listen to the song that she wrote for uh, Quantum of Solace, but they didn't choose it? Did you send it to me? I'll send it to you. Yeah. Okay. Well, I didn't do that yet. Uh, Quantum of Solace. Um, uh, Diamonds Are Forever and sampled, of course, famously by um the uh, now insane Kanye West. Um, Jesus Christ, that guy! I just want, I just like I mean, Jesus Christ. What? Well, he thinks I mean, he's Jesus because he's, but he's not. Uh, I don't know what he thinks. He he, he needs uh, help. Um, let's not. He's certainly uh, not though, getting it from let's the, not his tease, wife. Let's not tease people who are having mental health issues. Yes. Um. Uh. Okay. So diamonds are forever. Let's uh. Let's be honest. I'm looking forward to the next uh six um yes. movies to discuss because they are all this is now when we're we're like finally putting the more in the connery you know all the campness and the silliness and the rat pack andness and all this stupidity behind us and we're going into what i think is the golden age yes of the, Bond the 60s we're going right into the 60s now which is just great yeah Okay, let's get out of here. Yes. Well, I'm looking forward to talking about uh, the next film and the other ones as well, because I think they're really, they're good. Because I feel like that's just, you know, we had them on VHS, part of my childhood, so I, I'm looking forward to talking about them. All right, then. But yeah, so, yep, that concludes another episode of Bond Backwards. Thank you very much to for listening. Sorry, I'll do this again. Well, that concludes another episode of Bond Backwards. Thank you very much to uh, listening to us talk about Diamonds Are Forever. Um, if you would like to 
give your thoughts on the film, positive or negative, you can uh, tweet us at Holmes Movies Pod or send us an email or anything like that. And uh, yeah, you can check out all What's the, the email address if they want to email us, Sanders. <laughs> what? What's the email address? Oh, sorry. Yeah, Holmes Movies Podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. And write to us, fools. Yes, and uh, do, you can check out all the other episodes as well. So, yeah, we've got a few episodes left. Looking forward to talking about them. And, uh, yeah, I hope at some point we get to see No Time to Die. Well, either way, this will have been a fun project. Yes. Um, well. Well, adios. I could say farewell, but I'll say goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> Stinging in the rain. That's not funny, 007. Where's your butler friend? Oh, he blew a fuse. Shocking. Where's Drax? Oh, he had to fly. Positively shocking. You missed, Mr. Bond. I think he got the point. Right idea, Mr. Bond. But wrong pussy. You're not thinking that. I sure am, boy. Do you expect me to talk? No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. Goodbye, Mr. Bond. It's a Smith and Wesson. And you've had your six. Mm-hmm.